Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome, welcome. Today is a deep dive and conversation about abortion in our culture, the connection to surrogacy, the impact of surrogacy on the host. Um, the hired surrogate, that woman who carries the baby, but is not the mother, usually biological mother of the child, unless she's donated her eggs and another person's hiring her to both carry the baby and supply the eggs uh, for that child. All of this is sparked by a conversation um, really led by who you may know as pop sensation Paris Hilton. Um, she's come out for the last year talking about some of the trauma of sexual abuse that she experienced uh, during her upbringing, but she's really uh, hit, uh, I would say, a lot of the headlines recently because Paris Hilton recently did a Glamour cover uh, for specifically the UK edition of Glamour. And it's interesting, I read the whole thing and she talks a lot about why she chose to use a surrogate uh, due to some of her uh, traumatic views surrounding childbirth, babies, including talking about her past abortion, among other things. So we're going to take a deep dive into that today. Trending. Joining me now is Hugh Brown, the Executive Vice President of American Life League. You can find them at all.org. American Life League is on the front line addressing the crisis today of abortion. Roe versus Wade has been overturned, praise the Lord. That means now that there's not a universal right across the nation to abortion. The decision is now being determined state by state with some very strong pro-life states and other radical pro-abortion states. There's a lot to do in our home states and even in the states where abortion is being restricted, one of the major, or should I say the major battleground as we've been discussing is the RU46 abortion pill, not known as Plan B, also known as the morning after pill that's taken within the few, first few days, um, usually after after uh, having had the baby, usually within the first day or so, and that can function as an abortion or as an, as early, or should I say, or as contraception, preventing sperm and egg from ever meeting. Uh, that's horrible, something to be addressed. But today what we're talking about is RU46 abortions. Mifepristone is one of the other knowns, that we, or myoprostol, or some of the other names we know it as, often prescribed what should be up to eight weeks and max, but often we're seeing it prescribed. I know I've seen it in the crisis pregnancy centers where it's been prescribed all the way up to 16 weeks gestation, which is absolutely outrageous. So joining me to talk about that today is Hugh Brown, again, the Executive Vice President of American Life League. Hugh, let's talk about this battleground of the abortion pill that is so harmful for women and now being given accessible over-the-counter at pharmacies uh, across the nation. 
Well, that's exactly right. And I think it's really important that uh, your listeners understand exactly what you just said. Roe versus Wade was struck down. And the, what that did is simply eliminate a, a federal right to abortion, which those justices claimed was in the Constitution from uh, nonsensical terms like penumbra, hi hidden meanings, right? Nonsensical stuff and put it back on the states. And while we have many states that have restrictions, um, which again, define life at any given stage that is very subjective and children are still dying. Some states that are working to ban abortion, other states that are working to legalize abortion and up until after birth, uh, we have a window here that we have to, to work like crazy. It's naive to think that the other side will not invest all the resources of the world. They have the media, they have politics, they have popular culture. They have, you know, the devil himself, as, as we're in Lent, right? At the end of Lent, uh, the devil brings Christ on top of a mountain and offers him every known kingdom, every kingdom on the planet, known and unknown. How is that possible? Because he's in control of this world, and he still is. So it's important that people in their state, whether it's California, where they want to enshrine abortion in the Constitution, or states like Texas, where they're working like crazy to eliminate it entirely, You've got to get involved because for every resource we pour in, the other side is going to pour in a hundred times that amount because that's what they do. And these pills are the front line. Mm -hmm. uh, Planned Parenthood, as an example, is responsible now for 83% of all pill abortions. That's old information. It's probably up upwards of 85 or 90 now. 53 At that time, of uh, a year and a half ago when our last report came out, 53% of all their abortions you know, were, were the pill abortions. And they're responsible for the vast majority of them. And these pills are currently uh, under review by a judge in Texas because the FDA way back when, 20 plus years ago, rushed approval through. For anybody who thinks that we live in a just society, you know, the FDA's job is to, to secure our health, to make sure that the food we eat is safe, to make sure that the drugs that we are prescribed have actually gone through rigorous processes. And it's not true, right? It's all politicized. It's all demonic agenda in a lot of occasions. So this judge has the ability, and we, we expect this ruling either later this week or next week, he could do nothing. Um, he could strike down uh, these abortion pills because of the hasty way they were put through uh, to anything in between. So people need to pray for that because if anything gets in the way of these pills, the other side is going to go crazy, and it's going to empower them to attack the states where abortion is limited, restricted, or outright in the process of hoping, hope, hopefully being banned. So we have to fight like crazy because they're not going to stop. This window is maybe five, six years, maybe. And I, that's a number. I don't know if that's accurate. Is it less? Is it more? If we don't do everything humanly possible, abortion will be legal because of the firepower and the demonic just evil of the other side to sue, to influence judges, to scare politicians. People have got to fight for life and it's now more important than ever and they can't be afraid of labels and the, although the just the garbage of the enemy right. have courage have courage right. work and pray and there's so much we can do in our individual states and that's part of what is so good about a roe versus way being overturned it makes the of the battle more centralized and focused and we can really bring our forces together in our states crossing party lines crossing uh denominations I and mean, there's so many things that we can do i'm getting ready to go to a fundraiser here in southern california um for the abortion uh for a crisis pregnancy center and one of the big things you know that 
you know, we appreciate is that we will be side by side with, you know, Catholic, Protestant, all walks of faith coming together um, with a political activist, with, you know, congressmen, religious leaders standing to fight and protect human life. I mean, this is what is so important about this battle is that we are doing something. And when you talk about the RU46 abortion pill, you mentioned that over 50% of all abortions here in the United States are RU46 abortion pills. Why? Couple reasons: less overhead for the abortion clinic, um, and second, they knew Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned. Since the '90s, the Clinton administration—you and I have talked about this—specifically had the strategy to deregulate the abortion pill so that that was the way in which women had access to abortion. Now, this goes against every idea, Hugh, of abortion being quote safe legal and rare because RU486 abortion pills have never been safe. Um, They want to make sure that they're legal, but they're trying to bring them in even to states where abortion is illegal. That's why they have this new version of the RU486 abortion pill called the late period pill, where they say, don't test if you're pregnant, take this pill, it's called the late period pill, and it will bring on your period. What it's doing is that it's causing an abortion if you are pregnant and forcing your period to happen, which forces the shedding of the line of the uterus that otherwise every cycle a woman has, whether pregnant or not, is preparing to actually house a baby. And that sloughing off of the uterine wall is what happens when a woman has a period. We were just talking about this earlier this week when I was explaining um, the really uh, impactful uh, consequence of the contraceptive pills, birth control, and all of that. We'll post a link on social media if you missed that episode. Um, But this is the reality of the abortion movement, even in states, like we said, where abortion is not accessible or has limited access to bring this type of abortion. And what's scary, Hugh, is that it's so detrimental for women's bodies. We're talking about women develop not only going through psychological damage because they are suffering the consequence of abortion in isolation medically. And I mean, we're talking about blood clots the size of baseballs and larger. We're talking about women sitting in a bathtub of blood. I have counseled and been next to these women as they have gone through the process of their regretted abortion and they're bleeding and bleeding and they think they deserve it. They won't go to a hospital for help. And that's psychologically so damaging and medically so damaging with autoimmune disorders developing as a result of these chemical bombs being put in women's bodies. And women deserve better than this aftermath of abortion that's leading to the inability to have children later on as well. Without question. And I'm not a believer in, in generalizations in that we're not going to paint every, every group of whatever it is we're talking about with, with a broad brush. But I'll say this. The, the majority of people that support abortion, at least at the levels of, of politics, at the levels of uh, supporting it for advocacy, at the levels of working in these clinics, at the levels of, you know, fighting like crazy to keep abortion legal, they hate women. They hate women because deep down, how on earth could you want to subject someone to this absolute horror? And uh, just to, to back up what you're saying, MSN Today put out an article and I about, you know, I'm about to drop my phone. They where they said that the abortion pills are indeed not safe. Well, no kidding. I mean, the label says it can kill you, right? And, right. and it's kind of like COVID, right? A guy a guy hits a tree at 80 miles an hour who was perfectly healthy, but he happened to test positive. Maybe, maybe not. He died a COVID death. There are so many women that are suffering a, a irreparable harm and dying because of these pills, perhaps weeks or even a month later from, from complications. But none of that is reported. We talk to people all the time that call us for help. 
and nobody cares. I mean, there's a case in New York recently where a woman brought her a 32 to 36 week old baby. I can't brought the baby. You know, they, they had told her she was 10 weeks pregnant. She's 30 something weeks pregnant. Bring brought the baby to the clinic and they said they would just dispose of it and didn't want it reported. And thankfully mm-hmm. she did. And, and what the police do? Nothing. So mm-hmm. that is what we're up against. So things like you and I are talking about every opportunity we have. We've got to tell the truth because there, there could be a 15 year old little girl listening right now. A woman in her 20s and her 30s and her 40s, you've got to realize there's always hope. There's always someone that wants that child. And you're talking about a handful of months of your life to bring life into the world that will last, you know, uh, that will last a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And then beyond if it, when, when your child has his, his or her own family. So the- abortion is an absolute antichrist act that we've got to oppose. Now, Hugh, I want to talk about why it's so important that individuals are equipped with this information. Um, First of all, a clarification, because I know there was a call that came in about this. Someone was trying to say that um, there's no difference or sorry, someone was trying to say that the morning after pill doesn't cause an abortion. That's a lie. The morning after pill can function in two ways as a contraceptive preventing sperm and egg from ever meeting. But it can also function as an abortifacient causing an early abortion of a baby also known in that developmental stage as a zygote that's no reason to degrade the baby that's a baby in its earliest stage of development and he or she has all of the genetic makeup present we we can study whether the baby's a boy or a girl um characteristics you know sex differences eye color is so much is there in the traits of the child right at the beginning of human life. And so that is one type of an abortion, the morning after pill. Now, what's scary is that um, we've seen in the crisis pregnancy centers, because that's my background. I worked for almost six years in crisis pregnancy centers. And we saw the decrease in girls coming and reaching out for help who were pregnant because these girls would tell us they wouldn't just take one morning after pill the day after having sex with their boyfriend or whoever it was. They would take one, two, and three, and four because they were so scared of being pregnant. And for days to come. And so it's become harder and harder to reach these girls who are abortion-minded because they're so quickly jumping in to take that fast out but doing so much damage to their body. So that's the morning after pill. Can both function as an early abortion or if sperm and egg haven't come together yet, can prevent that from occurring. Now, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about RU46, a two-part process of an abortion process one, that causes the death of the child, and two, that causes the delivery of the child. It's earlier in the pregnancy, so this is done alone. Um, a woman is not in a hospital. It's a completely outpatient um, situation that we're talking about here. Now, chemical abortion, um, these are important things to talk about because here's the deal. Since we heard about the pharmaceutical, the pharmacies giving access to them, Walgreens, Rite Aid, and others, what we've, we are hearing, Hugh, from the crisis pregnancy centers, I know of one crisis pregnancy center who has not seen a single abortion-minded client this year for two whole months because of increased access to RU46 abortions. That is, women are so quick to get access today to abortion pills that it is hard to even reach them. And this is why people like you and I, everyday people need to be sharing this information and talking to people about the harm of RU46 abortion pills, but also about the help and resources available if you ever or anyone you know finds themselves pregnant. Now, that's Hugh Brown from American Life League doing incredible work 
on the fight against abortion. And we are here and we are standing, taking a strong stand stand against abortion today. And we cannot back down about the impact this has on women's health and women's souls. And we're going to talk a little later about the impact of abortion on a woman, that post-abortion trauma uh, that occurs. And we're going to tie this even into pop sensation Paris Hilton's own story. Um, Here with me now is Vice President, Executive Vice President of American Life, like Hugh Brown. Hugh, what can people do today to get involved in this frontline battle over the abortion pill in their state? So it's important that um, all the things that you've talked about, it's important that people educate themselves. And if you visit ALL.org, there are links and articles and brochures and downloads available on the subject of, of you know, we, we've tried to keep it simple on a, a pill abortions or the abortion pill, because RU46 also is the same chemical cocktail in that um, uh, two pill regimen that, that murders children that they say up to 10 weeks. Um, you know, again, we've talked to women, as I'm sure you have, that have taken it at 16 weeks, 20 weeks uh, and beyond, because the fallacy of, of Planned Parenthood in particular is that the you know, the Biden administration keeps extending the emergency powers of the COVID pandemic, even though it's long since passed. And part of the reason for that is that Planned Parenthood still has the ability to have you log on online and have these pills prescribed by possibly having a uh, Zoom type call and an online conference with who knows if it's a doctor, likely just someone that works there. And then the pills are on the way to you. And you can also, as you said, pick them up at these pharmacies. And it's important that people uh, understand in their state uh, what the laws are, that they understand if where, 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 where is the law? Do you have a state that has restrictions? Do you have a state that has unlimited access? And then get involved. Um, we have a whole list of associate groups we work with throughout all the states. And we work very closely with crisis pregnancy centers. With I'll, I'll be speaking next weekend. Um, at uh, Ohio Right to Life at their their big conference. And what I'll be speaking about is moral courage because that's what's needed right now. Uh, we need to have no fear and we need to stand up and we need to help have these conversations. You don't know the power of a conversation. You can have a conversation with your children that can change lives because your children will talk to their friends. Don't be afraid to say things on social media. Um, it's important that we spread the word everywhere and in every way that we can uh, because babies are dying. And the, the, this particular administration in the world is not going to stop until abortion happens without question. And that's just that God's people are not going to allow that to happen. So the fight will never end because they'll never silence. And we have to continue to work to tell the truth and to work to, to get to those most vulnerable, which are women who have, feel that fear. And I agree with you. I know so many families that want to adopt children, that go to China to adopt children, that went to um, a, a Russian a former Russian Soviet Union countries to get children and it's there for anyone who suffer who's suffering mentally or psychologically that feels they have to terminate their baby you don't there's help and there's resources we work also we have associates with, that are crisis pregnancy centers that also walk with the women all all through the process to delivering the baby to helping them find jobs to making sure that the child has everything that, that he or she needs there are a lot of good people out there we work with the Catholic Church as well and there are just a lot of resources available that people don't know about. While that moment may be a fearful moment, it's just a moment. And then there's the reality that there's a human life involved, your child. 
your child who will be the, your child forever. And it's important that you embrace that human being because he's yours. You know, he's yours and he'll be yours forever. And he will grow up and he will, he or she will have their own family and that will continue for generations. That's God's plan, right? Killing him is the devil's plan and the world's plan. And we've got to oppose it and be unafraid to do so. Amen. That's Hugh Brown, the executive vice president of American Life League. You can find them and all these great resources we're talking about at all.org. I'll post a link on social media as well as in the episode notes. You can find this information there to dive deeper. I'm also posting an article about um, the dangers of the abortion pill, which we talk about regularly here on Trending, but you need to know, and here's the deal, in your back pocket, you should have this information. Did you know that a woman can start the abortion pill process and change her mind and deliver a healthy baby safely? That's abortionpillreversal.com, abortion pill reversal. If a woman has taken that first pill in the chemical abortion process and changes her mind with uh, well-ministered progesterone support, that baby can be saved. I've had the honor of working um, with the founder of the abortion pill reversal and helping um, really see this come to fruition. And it's been incredible to see countless women who said, I took the pill and I regretted it the moment I took it. And then all of a sudden, I never thought there'd be hope. I looked up online and there's such a thing as abortion pill reversal. And I have a healthy baby today. And there are thousands of healthy babies today after women have changed their minds and said, no, I want to keep this baby. So check it out. Abortionpillreversal.com. That's been Hugh Brown from American Life League. I'll be back in just a moment to talk about surrogacy, abortion, what happens to a woman after abortion. Paris Hilton pop sensation uh, has come out recently talking about the sexual abuse she experienced, but all also the abortion that she had and now choosing to have a child via surrogacy even though she can carry her own babies. We'll talk about that in just a moment here on Trending. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. You may have followed a little bit of the news last fall where pop sensation Paris Hilton explained uh, some of the trauma she experienced, sexual trauma when she was away at boarding school. I've read some of her story this past week as she did a documentary a couple years ago that came out, I think, on YouTube, and she's getting ready to release a new book, her memoir. Now, if you know Paris Hilton, you know her for a couple things. You definitely know her for her leaked sex tapes um, that were leaked in her early, early 20s. Uh, you also probably know her and Nicole Ritchie from The, the Inner Life. Um, that, or sorry, not The Inner Life. <laughs> the Simple Life, not The Inner Life. Uh, but from The Simple Life, uh, where uh, it was really one of the first reality TV um, shows that we saw. And what's interesting is, if you didn't know this, uh, Kim Kardashian was actually Paris Hilton's assistant. And lo and behold, there we go. Uh, Kim Kardashian has one of the most well-known ever um, reality TV shows. But here, here's the deal. In reading Paris Hilton's story, a number of things came up. Now, um, I hit it really kind of come across this because I heard about a connection between her having had a past abortion and now hiring a surrogate to have a baby. Now, Paris is in her early 40s and she just had her first child. She hired a surrogate. She had she had frozen eggs and her now husband um, had 
harvested sperm and they created new life. Now, there are some things that are so irking about this story. Uh, it's a lot to swallow, but I think there's a lot to glean from it. And here's the deal. Paris Hilton has been an icon, not just a sex icon in our culture, but has been an icon in many ways for young girls. I think that, you know, I know myself, you know, she was always kind of that what many people refer to as the dumb blonde, the bimbo. And she even talks about that in the glamour, how because of all the trauma that she experienced, that she actually started to play like the dumb blonde, that she fell very easily into that role. And that's what they told her um, to act up in the Simple Life reality TV series. She was uh, the dumb blonde and Nicole Richie was kind of that bad girl type of character. Now, Paris Hilton ended up sharing that she fears childbirth. There are two things that she's absolutely terrified of. It's death and childbirth. Um, And childbirth was the big one that she pointed to. Now, she made connections uh, specifically to when she was on um, The Simple Life. Her and Nicole Richie actually saw a live birth, and that really traumatized her. Um, She also, and which, by the way, I think that would traumatize most women. Um, I have been one of those people, and I think some people are really interested and think childbirth is amazing. I think it's amazing, but I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it for myself. I don't want to see it for anyone else. (laughs) I mean, I think to each their own, but that is one thing that can sometimes absolutely terrify some women, justifiably so. But Paris Hilton also has chronicalized her shocking and heartbreaking experience as a young woman in her teenage years. Multiple, multiple moments of sexual abuse, starting with a, a school teacher when she was about 15, uh, then going into uh, a scenario where she shared that she was date raped by an older guy. Um, she then shares also about a terrible experience she had in her later high school years at a boarding school where she was drugged, subject to gynecological exams at night where they were abusing her. It was Provo Canyon School, I believe in Utah. She also shares about um, her running with Harvey Weinstein, that he never actually abused her, uh, but that Harvey Weinstein had continued to give her invitations and she refused them. And he actually followed her into the bathroom. Um, and thankfully, there was security and he was just yelling at her. And he denies, of course, uh, these accusations. But she said even back then, this was 20 years ago, that everyone knew about Harvey Weinstein. They were just told to keep their mouths shut. Um, So this woman truly has been through a lot when it comes to sexual abuse, and it's really heartbreaking. Uh, And if you take nothing else away from this conversation, I think it's important that we look at Paris's story, and it's a moment where we recognize that we live in a very sexualized culture with people who do not respect the gift of all our lives, their lives, the gift of sexuality, the gift of the potency, the ability to have children, and that our children, all women, need to have the power to say no to someone who's older who might flatter them, to situations that are less than safe. They need to have integrity with where where they are at, who they associate with. Now, at the point when Paris Hilton had uh, been around Harvey Weinstein, she'd already had so many sexual encounters that were so harmful to her that she actually had kind of become that girl who was like the no girl, that she would maybe uh, kiss the individual but wouldn't go any further than that. And so she kind of had a line that she was drawing at that time. Um, 
but she had lived a whole slew of a sexual lifestyle and trauma. You also probably know her for the sex tapes that had come out of her and all of this. And you go kind of through her story and it just resonates with me that girls, young women today need to be able to say no. They need to be taught about safety, about not drinking, um, especially, you know, not drinking before 21. But even after that, you know, you don't have to drink. You don't have to drink all the time. I think that probably over the last two years, I've drank more as an adult than I did, you know, in my entire, you know, adult life. And that's been very, very limited. And I think that, you know, it's important that we talk about that. It's always been usually within a very safe home situation and not to the point of excess and drunkenness. But even that, we hear that, um, we hear specifically that Paris Hilton talked about when she had just a few sips of a drink by these older guys that had flattered her and they had slipped something into her drink and just the story that she recalls, it is heartbreaking. What she recalls, but also the fear of what she doesn't remember about what happened that day. Girls need to be empowered with safety. And so I want to really drive that home when looking at Paris's story. But after that, I also want to emphasize before we get into the abortion, the surrogacy side of it, the importance for role models. I was reading Paris's story and she talked about who inspired her. She said, I was inspired by Marilyn Monroe, Barbie, and Dolly Parton. All these blonde icons were who were definitely playing characters as well. Now, she says this as if it's a good thing, but also as a negative thing. And she doesn't fully explain herself here, but she talked about how she kind of played a character as a dumb blonde. But at the same time, in a positive way, she talked about her role models, her icons, her inspiration, Marilyn Monroe, Barbie, and Dolly Parton. How sad, but also how poignant to understand that I think that this is what my generation, the millennial generation, in many ways has looked up to. Truly sex icons. Look at them, Marilyn Monroe, Barbie, and Dolly Parton. Barbie itself is not just a toy. Now, I had Barbie dolls. I had a phase. I think a lot of kids go through phases. But Barbie was always meant to be this exploitive type of doll. And I think that's important. That's how kids played with Barbie most of the time. That's what the Barbie doll reduced girls to was what you can give, what you can do, how easy you are. And I think that that's what's so important. And look at Marilyn Monroe. Isn't she known for having, I want to say somewhere between three and six abortions. It might even be more than that. And look at how her life ended. And so today when we talk about role models, look at the story Pierce Hilton and who her role models are. And then let's look to who our role models are, who the role models are of young women today. And we need to help realign and orient who those role models are. It's such an important thing. I think this is one of the gifts when I talk about kind of my upbringing. When I saw I had the opportunity to attend a lot of pro-life conferences with inspiring men and women who were advocating for incredible causes. I got to see them in person. I got to talk to them. And that had a very positive influence on me. The type of role models I saw before my eyes, who I looked up to and look up to to this day. But you have to surround your kids with positive role models. Social media is so quick to give that next influencer and for us to dump this influencer and move on to the next influencer or to be offended by one slight offensive little thing that one influencer did. 
like. And it's all about the likes and the attention and whoever talks the loudest. That's why earlier uh, this past week, we had a guest on who talked about the life of St. Genevieve, the stories of the saints. I'm not saying that we exclusively fill children's minds with only stories of saints. That would be great. But we also live in the 21st century. And while God calls us to to live in the world, he tells us not live of it. We should be able to talk about these pop sensations and talk about the faults, but also the good things that they do. The problem is, is that we're just glorifying these inspire so-called inspiring creators online without looking at how detrimental the lifestyle is that they're living. And so who is inspiring our girls today? That is a very important question, one to be aware of, and maybe to propose different role models. Now, here's the deal. This is what the whole conversation was sparked by. I found out that Paris Hilton just had a baby a few weeks ago via surrogate. She said she didn't want to carry a baby, that she wanted to have a surrogate, that she's now 42 and just welcomed her first child, and she had actually consulted with her longtime friend Kim Kardashian for advice on in vitro fertilization, because this is how Kim Kardashian um, has her kids. She's using the same doctor as Kim Kardashian, and she actually shares all about how the doctor does everything, including vetting the surrogate, making sure the surrogate's the right surrogate and healthy enough to be worthy to carry her child beforehand. And she said that she would have chosen, she would have chosen either way to actually carry her child, um, not to herself, but via surrogate at any age, because she's terrified of, as I said earlier, childbirth. She's terrified of it after seeing in the simple life, um, one woman giving birth, but then she also without going deeply into it, mentions her abortion. I find it interesting that she mentions her abortion. She doesn't say that's the reason why she doesn't want to carry her own baby um, to term and give birth. But all of this you see from the sexual abuse and her fear of medical examinations to um, the, the trauma of having seen childbirth when she was in her early 20s on the set of The Simple Life. All of this points to these horrible exploiting moments of this young woman, including her abortion, that have actually destroyed her gift of motherhood and the respect that it's disrespected it. It's disrespected the potential for life. She's had this abortion that has completely disregarded the fact that she already has been a mother. And you look, it takes 20 years for her to then intentionally have a baby And in a way that she says, I can't carry a baby myself. I'm terrified. There's a reason I will just say that she's terrified of even death because she had an abortion. And abortion is a deadly thing. And it instills a lot of fear in many women. But some of the things that aren't talked about but are most, I think, evident is that before she even married her now husband, she had actually already started trying um, to have babies as a single woman. She had actually already had eggs that had been frozen and was going through the prep process of in vitro fertilization looking for a surrogate. And she, it, based on what she says, it seems very evident that she had had failed attempts at carrying a baby to term via surrogate or even getting to the point of implanting a baby in the early stages of development in the uterus. And I think this is important because we don't talk about the fact that intrauterine insemination has around a 10% success rate. Now, you can do six, seven, eight cycles, and maybe you can cite a statistic that says there's an 80% success rate, but that's if it's multiple rounds. 
not only that, and by the way, I was just following an influencer on social media, and she just shared about another um, pregnancy loss where they're going through in vitro fertilization, and they've done, I think, 10 rounds of IVF. They have one child so far from IVF, uh, but that's it. And what happens in the process? First of all, we have to recognize that we're creating human life in a Petri dish outside of the God-given and God-ordained location that a baby is meant to be created. Now, these babies are dying in a science experiment in Petri dishes because that is not where a baby is meant to be created. So we are disregarding and being dangerous and excessive in the way we interact with human life and excessive in the fact that we're just destroying humans and the ability to create a human. Because we're creating 1, 2, 3, 20, 30 new babies in the earliest stage of human life, but then often these babies die in the process. But then what happens is, let's say two or three babies make it further along in the development where they're actually going to implant the baby in the woman's uterus. Often more babies even die then. They usually put six, seven, eight babies in at a time. Some of them die off, and then sometimes you have two or three babies that are still developing. And then they do a, quote, selective reduction, where they selectively choose which babies they will abort, usually based on who will have the most successful potential for a genetic outcome in the long run, or which one is expected to be a boy versus a girl. All of these things are very important to hear and understand, because IVF is that glamorous thing in front of women who are struggling with fertility that actually does not promise a baby, but has a very low success rate. Some people cite a success rate of 20 to 30 percent, but that's for a very small window of an age of a particular age, usually in the 20s and after multiple rounds, not just one round. And the failure of those rounds is so detrimental on the woman. I've talked to women today and husbands today where the woman is so depressed. She is so low functioning because of the loss of children, the inability to carry a child to term via in vitro fertilization. And we're going to talk in just a little bit about uh, surrogacy and the impact on women. And let's actually talk about that briefly now because I think it's important When we talk about surrogates, this is someone who is often hired to carry a child for someone who wants a baby. So she's not necessarily the biological mother. She'll definitely not be the legal mother, the mother who raises the baby. Now, it's interesting because we I was reading in one of the articles that came from people.com. It says Paris Hilton says fear of childbirth from past trauma led her to use a surrogate led her to use a surrogate. Do you hear that language? Use a surrogate. That is, use another woman to carry your child. Exploiting women is not a solution to our fertility crisis or even our fear of carrying babies to term or childbirth itself. St. Pope John Paul II, following on the lines of great, great theologians before him, such as St. Thomas Aquinas, talked about the only proper attitude to have toward a person is love and not to see them as an object of use. The surrogate is an object of use, a means to an end to having a baby. And a person is never meant to be a means to an end. Even for those who can carry their own children, you shouldn't just look at your spouse as a means at getting your child. That's actually a wrong attitude to have about marriage or children or sexual intimacy. 
So when we talk about fertility, if you know someone who's struggling with infertility, check out our natural doctors who can help without destroying human life or damaging women's bodies to the best of their ability um, to treat underlying health issues to help women have babies. Napro Doctor helped me and have helped many friends of mine. You can learn more at fertilitycare.org. We'll post a link on social media to where you can find a Napro Doctor to respectfully fight to solve that fertility issue. But I'm going to come back talking about some of the harms of surrogacy and its impact on the surrogate, that is the woman who's carrying the baby. And we'll also talk about um, what happens to a woman after she has an abortion. I think this is important, especially as we're hearing so much about the story of Paris Hilton right now as she's releasing these books and these films. I'll be right back here on Trending. You're listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. It's Lent, and if you're joining me in the Black and White Challenge, kudos to you. I'd love to hear how it's going. Anna just wrote me on Instagram, and she said, I tried the Black and White Challenge on my cell. It's amazing. She said, I hardly pick up my cell phone Thank you. Praise God. We want to see this change happening during Lent. So we're more present. We're more prayerful. We engage in that silence. You can learn about the Black and White Challenge uh, now at RelevantRadio.com. The article there where I explain it. Bottom line is, if you haven't heard, if you put your phone on black and white, it decreases the dopamine levels and all the chemical cocktails that occur in your brain, leading you to use your phone more than you do. So go check it out, relevantradio.com, black and white challenge. Uh, I want to come back to Paris Hilton's story. We've been talking about it all hour. Paris Hilton, pop sensation, you know him or her, sorry. She's not confused, at least I hope not anytime in the near future or ever. Uh, But Paris Hilton, uh, she... She's been a really intriguing individual for a number of years. She's someone that I guess you could argue some people looked up to her or people were scandalized by her when I was in my teens, um, you know, from the tapes that were released of her. But she's come out to talk about a lot of the um, abuse that she's experienced. And we're talking now about her surrogacy, that she chose to have a surrogate because she feared um childbirth. She feared medical examinations because of the abuse she experienced and how she's now using, quote, using a surrogate. I was talking about how Pope St. John Paul II talked about how the only proper attitude that we are to have toward a person is love, that we shouldn't see someone as an object of use or a means to our own end. And this is what's problematic. One of the things is problematic. We explained the connection to abortion earlier. So listen to the podcast if you have to, relevantradio.com, with regard to surrogacy and IVF. But here I want to touch on how surrogacy is exploiting women. Surrogacy should never be used as a solution in any circumstance to anything, but especially to our fertility crises or our fear of carrying children to term or giving birth to children. And I think this is really important because if you actually, and I talked about fertility, um, healthy fertility options for women who are trying to figure out if they can have children to conceive. And we posted links on social media and the episode notes. But here are some just a glimpse of how surrogacy is harmful for a woman. And this is why actually they're trying to see if they can use, and they can, we know that they can't use cows, literal cows, to carry babies to term. Because surrogacy exploits a woman. I remember I've heard women who are not even able to speak English being recruited, and by the way, in one instance, by a Catholic hospital to be a surrogate for someone who wanted to hire her. 
I and I heard this conversation firsthand. Um, we have examples of where women are being trafficked to be surrogates. There's this story of Michelle Reeves in California who she was trying to raise some extra money for her family and do something seemingly altruistic for someone else. And she died in the process delivering the baby for someone else leaving because her health was not well. It wasn't a natural pregnancy and it left her son and daughter motherless and her husband a widower. Now, the stories with regard to the damage and harm of surrogacy are being utterly silenced. It's a multi-billion dollar fertility industry. You don't hear about the fact that surrogacy for the surrogate causes hypertension, preeclampsia, loss of fertility, early menopause, blood clots, not to mention the legal battle over who pays for what health care and what if the person hiring the surrogate decides that he or she doesn't want one of the babies or wants one of the babies aborted. We're hearing stories and cases such as this. And the United States is one of the few countries in the world that doesn't have some level of suppression on what's allowed with regard to IVF and surrogacy. We're one of the most permissive countries today that allows nearly free reign with regard to surrogacy. That is the exploitation of women. And these women are being abandoned when medical crises come or child is not wanted and the baby's aborted, whether because of medical complications for the baby or sometimes medical complications for the mother. This doesn't even touch on the post-abortion syndrome that women experience. That's why when I think back to Paris Hilton's story, and I just think about the research we know that mainstream psychologists are having to counsel many people due to the trauma of their abortion. Even if they're pro-abortion, they know the impact abortion has on women. Guilt. Nearly a 40% increase in depression than others who haven't had abortions. A desire sometimes to want to get pregnant again to replace that baby and have a rainbow baby. Or other times to completely avoid babies in pregnancy. Eating disorders. Nearly a 40% increase in anxiety. 115% increase in suicide versus women who don't have abortions. They struggle in bonding with existing children and future children. They especially suffer nightmares, anniversary reminders, fear of fertility, suffering major alcohol abuse. It's actually one of a huge, huge sign um, for many women is marijuana use. 220% increase the likelihood in marijuana abuse if a woman has had an abortion compared to one who hasn't. She'll have fear of death as well, which, by the way, that's something that Paris Hilton has experienced. She has a, she talks about how this is one of the things that she fears most in life. Childbirth and death, both directly connected, by the way, to abortion. And she brings up abortion in that same exact interview, while not directly connecting the dots. This is what's behind the scenes for this poor woman who is so terrified of having children that she's had to hire a surrogate to do so. Exploiting that woman, ignoring the trauma, because... Today, we view surrogacy as okay because people in medical coats go about running the process for us. And so I hope this will give you an opportunity to think again about surrogacy in vitro fertilization, intrauterine insemination, and how it's detrimental for women, the surrogate, the mother, the father. We've talked a lot about the impact abortion has had on our society the cheap lie that our culture is telling us that we can have babies on our own terms 
whenever we want is an absolute lie. And it's not just women who find themselves in their 30s, 40s, and 50s, like Jennifer Aniston, who now want children, and then they've had failed attempts at having a baby via surrogate or via in vitro fertilization. Women deserve better. And if you or someone you know have had an abortion, please go to supportafterabortion.com for hope and healing for yourself or for someone you know. Post it on social media. You never know who's out there in need of that healing. I hope that someone can help give that healing and information to Paris Hilton. I hope her family can. She comes from a Catholic family, if you didn't know. And also a shout out, we're in the middle or right at the beginning of a 40 Days for Life campaign. That's 40 days of praying and fasting during Lent for an end to abortion. I was out on the sidewalk this Saturday praying for an end to abortion, participating in my local campaign for life. I hope you will too. So often I've heard from men and women who've turned around past the abortion clinic because they saw everyday people like you and me standing there caring enough to pray to intervene and say, I'm here to help if you need it. So check out 40daysforlife.com to get involved in a local prayer campaign to pray for an end to abortion. Be on the front line in your state. That's the number 4040daysforlife.com. I'll post the link in the episode notes for today's show. Please share this episode with a friend, text it to them. Bring some important topics related to women and the future of our young lives. You're listening to Trending with Timory. Up next is a family rosary across America. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Wednesday is our weekly Gentleman's Hour, being joined by international fitness guru Sal DiStefano. We'll discuss how wokeness and cancel culture is affecting men's ability to be masculine fat phobia, why working out is not toxic but actually valuable, and we'll discuss how moral relativism is blurring the lines between masculine virtue and relativistic vice. Join me daily at 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.